Welcome to 20 by 70, the podcast for people who expect more from Philadelphia and from our democracy. I'm Chris Satulo, your host. This podcast is the work of the Committee of 70, that quaintly named organization that is actually Pennsylvania's oldest good government group. Here at 70, if there's one thing we're most passionate about, it's free and fair elections. We work hard to make sure, come election time, all eligible voters can go to the polls armed with the information they need to vote their values and their interests. It's in that spirit that we're offering this set of primary election podcasts for Philadelphia voters. We're going to zero in on several of the important primary contests that tend not to get a lot of media attention, but which can have big consequences nonetheless. These races will shape a new makeup for Philadelphia's legislative delegation to Harrisburg. In each case, the race will choose a replacement for a longtime member of that delegation. The three seats we're looking at in this three-part series are the 177th, the 181st, and the 184th. We're doing these podcasts with valuable support from the Thomas Skelton Harrison Foundation, which for many years has given grants to various Philadelphia organizations to support better government and better democracy in our city, and we thank them. I'm joined here in the studio at Kelly Ryder's house on the Penn campus by David Thornburg, 70s president and CEO. He's going to help us get a sense of the big picture and the stakes in this state election. How you doing, David? I'm just great. So election day is coming up. We're working hard on it, but who cares? Like, what difference will it make? <laughs> now, now, now. May 15th is the primary, so that's the date you circle or uh, put a flag on in your calendar. Um, this is a this is a significant changing of the guard that we're looking at. As you mentioned, uh, three of the races that we're going to be talking about are races that have been held by incumbents for literally decades. If I were to add up the tenor, tenure of uh, Bill Keller and Kurt, Curtis Thomas and uh, uh, John Taylor, we're probably talking about 85 years, 90 years even of experience. This at a time when Philadelphia's delegation in Harrisburg is, let's just say, severely outgunned. This is the most uh, Republican uh, and the most conservative Republican legislature probably in 100 years. And as we know, and not that this is a good thing because we play this, uh, we're all for competition, but Philadelphia is a heavily Democratic city, about seven to one. So this is a, this is a really important time in the political uh, life and the future of the city. And as you mentioned, the juice is down. Many of the people uh, who in the past were powerhouses in Harrisburg that represent the city just aren't there anymore. Um, Dwight Evans is in Congress. John Prezel had to leave his job, had some legal problems. Vincent Fumo, state senator, had legal problems as yes, well. Yes, some of our representatives were, were term limited by the federal government. Right, right. Well, you know the old line in Philadelphia, the incumbent only leaves office in a coffin or handcuffs. That's right. Uh but one of the things we're seeing, and we'll certainly hear this uh, in talking to the candidates in the districts, the 177, the 181, and the 184, um, the old guard is passing and uh, some young people, some uh, real new voices are seeking election. Yeah, these are districts that represent neighborhoods that are going through an enormous amount of transition. And we're also seeing that at the we'll say, the lower levels of political representation. This this time around, we also elect uh, committee people for both Republican and Democratic parties. 
which are the, you know, the sort of ground troops of democracy in this city. And there's a great deal of uh, a great surge of interest in new candidates running for those positions. So there's a, there's a lot of I think largely productive churn uh, that's going on, uh, but it, it's a, as I said a, at a very consequential time. On the national political front. Right now, we're hearing a lot of breathless talk about this being a wave election, a blue wave, um, where Democrats are going to um, recover some of the ground they lost in the last few elections in Congress and in state legislatures and, and governor's mansions around uh, the country. Is that also something of a prospect, do you think, in Pennsylvania? Well, I think so. It's, it's it's largely irrelevant, or at least a different conversation mm. in Philadelphia because everybody's a Democrat, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, but uh, th- there are factions within factions in there the Democratic yeah. Party that right. are clearly going to play themselves out uh, in these primaries, which is partly why we're paying. So attention. one one thing we might hear is essentially some echoes of the 2016 Democratic primary. You have a lot of people who are inspired by Bernie Sanders and, uh, and a sort of collection of progressive ideals and a sort of very uh, uh, aggressive um, approach to upholding progressive values who are running for office now. They've been motivated by what happened in 2016, both the primary situation with Bernie Sanders and then obviously what happened in the, the presidential uh, race. So it's not just your old guard, pragmatic Democratic candidate anymore coming from the, the Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, maybe party. this is a sort of a test case for where the Democratic Party is headed because uh, Philadelphia has trended more and more capital P progressive. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of back and forth in the National Democratic Party about where things are headed. In the western part of the state, uh, we saw a congressional special election where Connor Lamb, who is by the standards of today, a fairly conservative, um, you know, supporter of the Second Amendment uh, candidate who won. Um, so uh, then back in Philadelphia, we've got more of a, uh, I guess the question is, is there a progressive wave, not just a democratic wave, right. but a progressive wave? And of course, here at 20 by 70, we don't just keep score on the horse race and tote up the number of Ds and Rs. We worry about what difference it makes and what policy and substance and issues um, will be affected by what happens. So yeah. in terms of what really matters in people's lives, what's sort of at stake? What's yeah. at play? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm climbing a new soapbox these days uh, because I think it is the job of a legislator to actually get stuff done. And you can't hide behind just a piece of legislation that you introduce that has no chance of actually going anywhere. Your job is to engage in the difficult day-to-day job of, of passing legislation uh, that benefits your communities. So this is a test for the Philadelphia delegation and these new uh, aspirants to the legislature. And I think they need to be questioned on their ability to – I'm tired of that reach across the aisle stuff. But I just it's, – it's about, you know, getting stuff done. Right. So – and you will hear us probing them a little bit about, you know, how they're going yeah. to uh, connect their ideals to actually that job of getting in the state house of representatives, 102 yep. votes so that something can pass. So, OK. Now let's get to the candidates. With each candidate, you'll hear a conversation of about 10 minutes. Our goal in these special election podcasts is to give you a sense of each person, their background, values, and goals. It is not to dig into the horse race, the tactics, or the negative attacks. These chats revolve around three questions. Number one, 
What's the one achievement, accomplishment, or trait of your career that you most want voters to know about? Number two, what's the one issue or goal for which you will fight relentlessly if sent to Harrisburg? And third, on the flip side, what's the one idea or proposal you will fight just as relentlessly against? The 184th has been represented since 1993 by Democrat William Keller. He's a longshoreman's union leader and a close ally of Democratic power broker John Doherty. Keller is retiring, and four Democratic candidates are in the hunt to be their party's nominee in November. Several had announced challenges even before Keller decided to retire. You'll be hearing from three of them, Nick DiDonato, Elizabeth Fiedler, and Tom Wyatt. The other candidate, Jonathan Rowan, did not respond to our invitations to take part. A note before we begin these interviews. They're being conducted by David Thornburg because, as it happens, I worked with two of the candidates, Elizabeth Fiedler and Tom Wyatt, during my time at WHYY Public Media. So, now let's turn things over to David. So we're pleased to welcome to the Kelly Writers House studio on 20 by 70, uh, the candidate Nick DiDonato, candidate for the 184th District. Nicholas, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So let's let's begin by just getting your sense of the district that you hope to represent. Uh, tell us about its its strengths, its people, its challenges. What is it that you love about this district that makes you want to represent it in Harrisburg? Well, I was I was born and raised in South Philadelphia by two wonderful parents that uh, taught me love, honor, and respect. Uh, my dad uh, was a Democratic committeeman for over forty years. Um, I took a, a role on to become a Philadelphia police officer um, and a di- district attorney detective for over twenty years. Um, I always wanted to uh, serve the city and. Uh, help people. I really find it very rewarding to help people. Uh, I feel like it's kind of like my life's mission to help people that I can help. And hopefully if I ever needed it, them same people would be there for me. Uh, So I pretty much uh, was a police officer and DA detective for 20 years, but I knew that I wanted to do something else uh, besides that. And uh, go into a, another form of public service. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I was inspired somewhat by uh, seeing my father as a committeeman and, and, and all the people that he helped and tried to uh, strengthen the community. Um, from that point, um, you know, South Philadelphia is, when you grow up there, it's it's like no other place. It, it really isn't. There's, you know, you have a, a store on every corner. Uh, small business is a, is a huge part of South Philadelphia. Um you know, a community. Uh, it was. It was. We had at one time. It, we had uh, more more of a neighborly presence where, um, you know, neighbors were helping neighbors, and the streets were cleaner, the alleys were cleaner, um, the streets were safer, uh, and and everybody kind of worked together. Uh, I think, unfortunately, over the years, we've kind of lost some of that quality of life. Yeah. Uh, my my whole campaign is is basically it's not about politics. It's about people, empathy, community, and and caring, and and just trying to get things yep. done for the people. So let me uh, a different way of asking sort of a similar question. If you were in the legislature and you're talking to a representative from uh, Elk County, you ever been to Elk County? No, I haven't. Okay, it's out there. One word to describe the district. The representative says to you, Nicholas, what's your district all about? One word. Uh, diverse. Okay. 
Okay, good, good. So let's let's talk about your conversation with with voters. Uh, you've been talking to a lot, I'm sure. What's the one accomplishment, the one thing that that you hope they remember from your career, from your past, from your life, that you're most proud of? Well, uh, you know, one my, thing. my message, my message is basically, you know, um, again, now currently I work three jobs, and I have that passion and that drive that I feel as though I could bring to Harrisburg and uh, get things done. I also don't have uh, a lot of uh, big unions and, and things like that behind me. So uh, I, the only people I got to please are the people. And, and I think, you know, that a lot of times um, holds a lot of um, weight because, you know, when they get big money and, and, and unions, they got to kind of please them before the people. Yeah. And I, this whole campaign is about putting people first. So I assure the people that I knock on these doors that they're going to come first. And, and we're going to make sure that we bring back First, we're going to deal with the bigger issues, but we're going to first try to bring back some quality of life, the everyday concerns of the of the people. Okay. And I think it's 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 really hit home because a lot of people um, are really not happy with the way things are going in South Philadelphia. Right. So let's fast forward a little bit. Things go well for you on May fifteenth. Things go well for you in November. You're off to Harrisburg. Uh, as a newly minted state representative. So what's what's the one issue that, like a, a dog with a bone, you will not let go, that you will work tirelessly to achieve uh, if you were to get elected to the legislature? Well, again, you know, we're kind of getting back to that. It's, 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 a, it's a one title, but it, it encompasses a lot of things, this quality of life. You know, I, I want to bring back things like Cleaner streets, cleaner alleys, and right. and have a like a nonprofit program that, that maybe we can we can do that safer. I have a whole public safety program, like donating residential cameras to the residents, and having a contractor come in and put them in uh, at an affordable price, registering those cameras, and uh, with the police department to make our streets safer. I'm the only one, the only candidate that's ever done this, but I will appoint a public safety liaison that will will handle all the crime stats. We'll let the community know where the crimes are happening. We can be proactive against crime. Uh, he will he will attend all the all the captains meetings, and this public safety liaison will handle all my all my community programs. And I think that's important. Uh, we we have to keep our neighborhoods not only safe and clean. Uh, we we have a, a huge parking problem in South Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it went from one car families to now three and four car families, and the city never really kept up with it. So we need to we need to bring some of that back. We need to um, and and again, I'm going to be a state representative that because it doesn't directly fall under me, mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the person that it falls under, and I'm going to advocate and try to work with that person to get it done for the district. I'm not going to say, oh, that don't fall under me. Uh, it's not a state rep's job to do that and, you know, give it to the councilman. That's not the type of person I am. If you call me and you ask me for something, I'm going to be transparent, honest, and work with you. You'll take care of business. Okay. So uh, the other end of this question, once you get to Harrisburg, should you get to Harrisburg, is there one piece of legislation, one idea uh, that you will – opposed no matter what, that you won't trade a vote for, that you, you just will not support come hell or high water? Raising taxes, because unless it was absolutely, 
there was no other option because to me, I feel like the taxpayer in Philadelphia is burdened enough. I think we don't do a good enough job of collecting money owed to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, we can, you know, we can talk to uh, the the recent article that was in the paper of, of the DA owing $130,000 in real estate tax. Why was there should be a law in the books that he wasn't even allowed to run? Is if, that if, is that a law that you would support? I would support that. Right. If you owe level. money to the municipality that you're running, you should not be allowed to run. And furthermore, how, you know, odd or, or, or want to say I use the word crazy. That is. He owes us that money, and we're paying him, say, 200000 to be the DA, and we're yeah. not getting our money. Yeah. Uh, we got to stop doing that. And, and So uh, a, a lot of who would be your colleagues in the Philadelphia delegation are interested in providing more money for schools, a lot more money for schools, um, which inevitably would require a tax increase in, in Harrisburg, maybe income tax, maybe who knows what. You'd never support that. Well, what, I, what I'm saying is with with funding schools, I believe we should fund schools and give the children uh, as many resources as they need and also keep them safe. But with funding schools, I, don't, I think we need to know how much does it cost to educate a child. No more blank checks. We want to find out. We want to, we want to look at every nickel and dime that's going and make sure it's going to our children. Just like this soda tax. It's a disaster. I've, I'm the only one that speaks out about it. It's a disaster. It's killing small businesses, driving revenue out of the city. And then we find out that they tell us 100% is going to the kids and 25% is going to the kids and 75 is going into the general fund. Mm-hmm. That can't happen either. There should be also a law in the books that the state should be able to take over funds when they're not allocated the way they should be and disperse them to the correct entity that they should go to. That There should be something on the books like that too because we can't have – People telling us one thing and, and them doing, you know, it causes distrust between yeah. the. Follow the money, as yes, someone wants. Yes, correct. Well, listen, our time's up, but Nicholas DiDonato, candidate for the State House, 184th District, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Now we're joined by Elizabeth Fiedler, candidate for the 184th House District. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. So let's start with. Um, to get your sense of the district that you hope to represent. What is it that you inspires your passion about that district? Uh, what are its its most pressing challenges? What are the distinctive things that, that, that you live and breathe about that district? Thanks for that question. So I have, since I announced in September, I've knocked on thousands of doors across the district from the east side to the west, the north all the way down to the south. And behind those thousands of doors, I have heard a lot of stories of people who are struggling, struggling with health care, struggling to find good schools for their children, struggling to find jobs that they can support themselves and their families on, struggling with so many things. And it's really the stories of those people, of the future constituents, that motivates me um, in moments when I am feeling anxious or like I've got a lot of energy or can't believe that Election Day is only a few weeks away. I go out and knock even more doors. That really is, um, that's the reason that I'm doing this is because I hear from so many people about the challenges that they're facing and the ways in which they would like the government to be helping, like the government to be addressing some of the um, the really serious obstacles people are facing and the really serious um, the really serious daily struggles that people in the 184 are having to put food on the table, be able to pay the bills, find a school, like I said, uh, to send their children to in the neighborhood. So those are the things that uh, really motivate me and make me want to work even harder. What's the best thing about the district? 
What's the best thing? The people. Uh, just this last weekend, a gentleman uh, who's 90, in his 90s, uh, Gaetano, offered me chocolate chip cookies after I knocked on his door. Um, we had a very good conversation about health care and about how much the district, about his neighborhood has changed since he moved there. And then he said, hold on, I just baked some cookies. And he gave me cookies. Um, last night I was out knocking doors uh, in the furthest south part of the district, and I had multiple people invite me in for dinner. Uh, people who said, you know, I know I just met you, but it's clear that you really care about people. You really are working hard. I would love for you to come in and talk with my mom, talk with my cousin. Uh, it's the people. It's the stories and the human beings behind yeah. all of those row house doors that really, um, it's amazing. People really are struggling, as I said, and are very generous and very open and very compassionate and really uh, are committed to community. Sounds like a lot of good food as well. And a lot of good food, <laughs> chocolate chip cookies and pasta. Okay. So you're talking to voters, and now you're talking to voters uh, in audio form. What's one accomplishment, one, one signal thing about your work to date that you would like voters to know about you? That since I announced in September, I have helped to build a really strong, truly grassroots campaign and grassroots movement that I'm really proud of. Uh, we have more than 500 people who've signed up to volunteer for my campaign. Every weekend, I have dozens of volunteers who are out there knocking doors with me. I think that's amazing for a state house race to have so many people excited and truly doing the hard and important work of building community and talking to constituents, talking to voters. Uh, I'm really proud of that, and I'm proud of the fact that we have built it on, on really strong politics, on my desire to uh, help build a healthcare system we can all be proud of that really prioritizes our lives and our ability to go to the doctor over everything else, over my strong desire to have an education system that serves all of us equally, that uh, provides fair and full funding for every single school so every child, regardless of how much money their parents have or don't have, regardless of what neighborhood they live in, can go to a great public school right down the street. So I am, you know, really happy with the campaign that we've built and the way that we have built it and the fact that it is so centered on politics and on policy and on getting government to work for us as people. Let's just take a quick tour pre-campaign, though. What is it that people should know about your career to date, your life to date, mm -hmm. that uh, might convince them that you're the right person to represent them? I have spent my entire – I spent my entire career as a reporter – telling people's stories and giving a voice to Philadelphians, including many South Philadelphians. I've talked to thousands of teachers, uh, parents, healthcare professionals, you know, regular folks who are trying to get by, who are proud of their neighborhood, who are trying to get more involved in their community, who are struggling to pay the bills, right? Thousands of people with personal stories whose personal stories very much collect, connect to the political sphere and to our politics and to legislation. And I spent more than 11 years uh, doing that and have really developed strong listening skills and have spent a lot of time looking at legislation that lawmakers have worked on and things that have not been priorities as much. Yep. So I have both of both those pieces of experience. Let's now uh, presumptively take the ride uh, up the turnpike uh, uh, to Harrisburg. Uh, those stories uh, get translated in Harrisburg into legislation. Uh, that's the job of being a legislator. So uh, what is one issue, one issue that you will work tirelessly to achieve, that you will not rest until you've accomplished that as a member of the, uh, of the delegation? Single-payer health care. 
that's the thing that I hear from so many people overwhelmed. Give a quick explanation of single payer for those folks that don't follow this day to day. Absolutely. So right now we have a healthcare system that prioritizes a number of things, including profits for corporations over our lives as people. And I think that as human beings, we should all have the same high quality healthcare, regardless of everything. We are human beings above everything else. We should all have the same quality, high quality of care, regardless of how much money we have, where we live. Um, Right now, you know, it's an unequal system. And a lot of people are really, for a lot of us, it is a question of our lives, right? It is a question of us being able to, and again, to go back to the people I talk to, that's why healthcare is so important to me. It's because so many of the people I talk to behind those row houses are telling me that they can't afford their 11 diabetes medications. Last night, there was a gentleman I knocked on his door and he said, I've had nerve damage since a forklift accident in 1995. I'm terrified of becoming addicted. I'm terrified of it. I won't take any drugs, but they won't give an MRI unless I do right. Just all of these complicated steps. He's buried under paperwork. He can't figure out how to get the health care that he needs because we have a system that's focused not on us as people, not on health care, which is what it's called and I think it really should be focused on, but is focused on, you know, this complex web of um, paperwork and all of those things, and really it boils down to corporate profit, which I think is not the way that our healthcare system should be. It should be focused on us as people. Quick question to a complicated subject. Many political swords have been blunted on something called healthcare reform. Is this, is this possible in the legislative environment that you'd walk into? It's possible if we have someone who is committed to working on it both in the short term and in the long term. This is not a short fight, and I'm in it because I know that it will be uh, something that I will have to be absolutely diligent on and work very, very hard on for as long as it takes. I'm committed to it, and okay. we need more people like that who you know, really won't bend on it. Okay, let's flip around the legislative lens. Uh, one uh, aspect of the art of legislating is is horse trading, back scratching. I'll trade you my vote for your vote uh, on uh, topics of uh, on different topics. What is what is one thing that you'll never support? That you'll never a vote that you'll never trade, uh, no matter what it might enable you to achieve as a legislator. I will never vote to privatize our public education system, ever. Meaning, how does that translate into the world of vouchers and support for charters? And help me interpret that. Sure, absolutely. Absolute, Mm -hmm. never. (laughs) Um, I think that when we inject, I think that when we privatize public goods, we start to see disparities in the kinds of services that people receive. We start to see the desire for profit to be made. We start to see other things that are disproportionately serving middle class and working families. And I find that really troubling. So when I say that I will not privatize public education, I'm saying that both, I think we need to fully fund our public education system and fairly fund our public education system so that all of our schools, regardless of what neighborhood, are providing the same high quality education to children. And I do not think that we should be taking public money and giving it to private entities that are supposed to be educating our kids. Um, I think above all, our public education system should be focused on one thing, which is providing a high-quality education to children. That's it. Terrific. 
we can we can hear your passion. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth Fiedler, candidate for the 184th House District. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So we're joined now in the studio at Kelly Ryder's house with Tom Wyatt, who is a candidate for the 184th District. Tom, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm privileged to be here, and I appreciate it. So let's let's start with uh, uh, your comments on on the district that you hope to represent. Tell us what you know about it, what you love about it, what its particular challenges are as of 2018. Yeah, I think that our district is the is the really the center of the city. We've got the port. We've got the Navy Yard. We've got an entrepreneurial center down and along Pashunk Square, but even more broadly. We've got a beautiful and diverse array of people who are forming a community that's kind of lucky. I grew up in rural Pennsylvania, and people have this idea that it's the community there is you know your neighbors and people look out for each other, and perhaps that's true. But I've never lived in a community like South Philadelphia. My kids are known when they walk down the streets. You go in the Acme, you see eight or nine people you know. It's just a beautiful community, and I'm running to keep it going. So so what's the most pressing issue facing the district? Two things, jobs and schools, and that's what everyone's talking about in South Philadelphia. All right. Want me to keep going? <laughs> that covers a lot of territory yeah. right there. So you're talking to voters, Every talking day. to voters here. I leave here what's, and go talk to voters. <laughs> what's, what's one accomplishment, what's one signal uh, activity, one characteristic of what you've been able to accomplish so far that you'd like voters most to know about? Yeah, so my, my biggest accomplishment is, is what drives my service. I'm the first person in my family uh, to go to college and graduate. I grew up in poverty and emerged, and that has informed everything I've done in my life and my commitment to service. And when I talk to people in the neighborhood, they know where I'm from because I've been in the neighborhood for years, and they understand my story. And we can talk and collaborate, and we can, you know, kibitz about the things that we've worked together uh, on at Jackson School or supply drives for schools in South Philadelphia. I just have strong connections to to a lot of folks in, in South Philly. Yeah. Let's just drill a little deeper, though. If you could just pick one thing that you're most proud of that you've accomplished to date that, again, you want voters to know about. What is that? Yeah. So I was the chair of the Education Committee for the Passion Square Civic Association for a few years. And in my mind, leadership is enabling other people to accomplish great things. And it became clear through the years and supply drives that what we really needed was to branch out and have friends of Kirkbride and have friends of Jackson. And so I collaborated with parents of Jackson and helped them form friends of Jackson. We got them uh, their 501c3 uh, designation, and they got off the ground and, and off their feet and have done amazing things at that school. There's a brand-new playground that still looks brand-new, even though it's a couple years old. There's a rooftop garden that's now a part of the curriculum. So there's a number of amenities that are now cores to the community and cores to our young people. And, frankly, my daughter is able to enjoy them now because she's a kindergartner at Jackson. Mm-hmm. And, and do you think that uh, that kind of friends of – uh, organization is really critical to uh, the for thriving public schools these days. I don't think that I would say that the friends of is the one shop, the one stop shop. I think that every every community realizes that the centerpiece of its neighborhood is its schools, um, and you don't have to be a parent to see that. Back to school night at Jackson and many schools in South Philadelphia is standing room only. So. 
the, it doesn't have to be called Friends of. It can be the home and school. We have a thriving home and school at Jackson as well and a number of other schools. But the point is to have the parents and the school and the children connected to the school. And formerly, I was a public school teacher. And when I was really having success with my kids is when I connected them to the school outside the classroom and I had a relationship with the parents. Yeah. That's when success and magic happens. Yeah. So let's fast forward and uh, off you go to Harrisburg. Uh, if you're successful, what's one thing that you'll work tirelessly to achieve, that you'll be you know, the proverbial dog with a bone, like, I'm going to stay on this until I get it done? What is that? Yeah, I've been described as a bulldog for neighborhood schools uh, before, and I'll continue that work in Harrisburg. For years, I've been working on neighborhood schools in South Philly. So every day, I'm going to be working to make our education funding equitable for the young people of the Commonwealth. You'll be one of 203 uh, Philadelphia uh, is, uh, uh, one could say, uh, been outgunned in the legislature uh, the last few cycles. Uh, so uh, all of a sudden, you'll be asked to work in a large body of folks that you don't have much that much to do with. How, how would you go about building the kinds of bridges you need to actually get something done and not just talk about it? Yeah. So in my work as an attorney, I represent uh, cities and townships around the Commonwealth. So I already have uh, relationships with many representatives and senators around the state. Um, and so I'm going to embrace those relationships that I have and grow more. We're not going to be able to, to do the work just from southeastern Pennsylvania. We've got to do the work by linking arms with parents and legislators in Reading, Scranton, Allegheny County, all over the state. Because I don't think no one can believe that education funding is a partisan issue. Yeah. Right, but and, and on that particular issue, uh, I think the number came out a few years back that in order to achieve adequate funding around the Commonwealth, I, th- I think the price tag was in the neighborhood of four billion dollars. It's a it's a huge number. Is is that the kind of goal that you're hoping to set for yourself and the legislature and the state? That's what the Constitution says: uh, a thorough and efficient education. So four billion, whatever that number is. To make sure that our younger people are ready to meet the future, that's the number. So I don't have a number in my mind. I have a classroom in my mind. I have a place where teaching and learning is happening, and the young people don't have to worry that asbestos is laying in wait in their school. They know that they can go to a water fountain. They can drink from it. This is, this is simple, basic stuff. Sure. If it costs $4 million, then $4 million. Billion. Oh, <laughs> zillion. Just a few I don't care. zeros among friends. Yeah. Well, let me uh, flip the question around. Off you go to Harrisburg. Bills are flying by you. You get asked to uh, co-sponsor things, to sign on to this, to support that, the other thing. What is one measure? What's one idea? What's one vote that you'll never make, that you'll you'll never support uh, should you go to Harrisburg? Yeah, I said previously that my run is all about jobs and schools uh, because that's what is on the minds of people in South Philadelphia. So I will never vote. Uh, to to uh, attack our unions or collective bargaining. I think that uh, given the Janus decision and the United States Supreme Court about to position itself against working families, we in the Commonwealth and the, and the General Assembly have to fight and hold the line and grow and flourish unions here in Pennsylvania. One aspect of the legislative uh, art is it's, it's horse trading. It's back scratching. It's mm-hmm. I'll trade my vote on this for uh, your vote on that. Uh, but but and and the issue that you uh, that you talked about, the union influence over our communities and our economy and so forth, is one that there's widely differing views. Um, 
uh, once you get inside the legislature. Uh, but you'll you'll never cross the line uh, in in any way, shape, or form uh, on a measure that will, uh, in your view, uh, harm the influence of of unions. No. Well, listen, I'm running a different kind of campaign. I'm not taking any money from any PACs, and I'm not taking more than $500 from any any individual donor per year. So when I go to Harrisburg, I'm going to be unshackled in terms of who I'm going to represent. And I've said it before. I'll say it clear. I'm going to be fighting for jobs and schools in South Philadelphia. That's who I report to, the people in South Philadelphia. So, yeah, if you try and attack working families, I'm going to fight you. Terrific. Tom Wyatt, candidate for the 184th District, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Okay, Philly voters, that's a glance at some of the choices you'll have on primary day, May 15th. If you're not registered to vote yet, I'm afraid it's too late for the May primary. But you still have time to take part in that important midterm general election in November. You have until October 5th to get registered. For details on how to do that, visit the Committee of 70 website. That's 70speldout.org. As always, this 20 by 70 podcast was done in partnership with Young Involved Philadelphia, a great group that helps younger Philadelphians stay informed, engaged, and active in the civic and political life of their city. Our producer, as usual, was the ever-smiling Joel Surfs Up Patterson. Our engineer was, again, the unflappable Zach Cardner, ably handling the controls in the Wexler studio in Kelly Writer's house on the Penn campus, which graciously hosts this little effort. Thanks to all the candidates who agreed to submit to our impertinent questioning, and thanks, as always, to my partner in useful civic mischief, 70s president and CEO, David Thornburg. Remember, May 15th is the day when we decide what kind of city, state, and country we want to be. Vote. It'll feel great, and it will make a difference. And until next time, remember the heartfelt advice that guides the 20 by 70 podcast. Expect more, Philadelphia. Boom County